Before we begin, Lord, we thank you uh, for all your many, many blessings. I thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us and to, to lead and to guide us and to shape us, but ultimately to point us to you and who you are. And we pray this morning that as we open your word that you would do just that, that you would show us uh, the ways uh, you've revealed yourself to us, we would see you more clearly. I pray that as we open your word that your spirit would move in this place, that you would lead and guide our time, that you would apply this to our hearts and our lives, that you would show us uh, areas that, that we need, may need to be convicted of, of the ways that we're not following you. I pray that you would also encourage us with the glorious good news of who you are and the ways that you love us and that you have forgiven us and that you love us completely and wholly. And so we just pray this morning that this time would be pleasing and honoring to you, that you'd be glorified in our time. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I was thinking about uh, a friend of mine, he may be here, I don't know, uh, Chris Keating, if you guys know Chris Keating, he just ran uh, an Ironman triathlon recently. If you don't know what that is, that means you run a lot, and then you bike a whole lot, and then you swim a lot, or in some order you do all that, but uh, really crazy how much you do, but to be a triathlete, what you do is you have to practice all three of those. You have to run, and you have to swim, and you have to bike, and you have to do all those really well to be a good triathlete. And, and so I was thinking about, you know, when we talk about that, if you say to someone who's, who's been in a triathlon, who's done that, you'd say, well, yes, you, you know uh, that they run, and they bike, and they swim, and they do all three. And uh, you could go to Chris, and you could ask him what kind of bike he rides, and what he does for his training, and he'd be able to tell you all those things. And so, uh, but, but if we think about that, if you say, well, I'm a triathlete, but like I could say, well, I'm a triathlete, I just don't do the uh, swimming or running part. I, run my, I ride my bike every once in a while, but I don't really do the, the other things all that frequently. And so you go, well, that's not really a triathlete. You're not really doing all three of those. And it'd sound a little ridiculous if I was to claim to be a triathlete that just doesn't do two of the three things that make you a triathlete. And so, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. That's kind of a silly example. But when we start to get into what it looks like as the body of believers and what God has called us to in the church, oftentimes we do things that are just that silly, right? Things that God calls us to as a body of believers that he's, he's told us works best for us. This is what it looks like to be part of a, a, a local body, a church. Uh, and sometimes we do that. We just kind of throw off things that he calls us to and act like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm following Jesus. I just don't do these things over here. And it sounds ridiculous when we put it in the terms of a triathlete, but when we talk about it in the church, a lot of people just kind of shrug it off and go on, like that it doesn't really matter all that much. And what I'm getting at and what I'm thinking about this morning is just this idea of the community within uh, the church. What is the church? The church is God's people, and, and we're called to be a community of faith together and do certain things together and help one another and walk together. But what happens a lot of times in our society today, and, I, and I've read, I don't know that there's any uh, way you, you can say this 100%, but I've read this a lot uh, where people say that the uh, United States of America today is the most individualistic society in the history of the world. I don't know if that's completely true, but I think you could probably make a strong case that it is. And so as that is the case, is, is we are such in an individualistic society I think a lot of times when we get into what the scriptures talk about of the way we're to walk together and to love one another and what that looks like, we just kind of blow that off like we, we don't do that. And it's partly because of our culture and our society, because we are so individualistic in the way we think of it. And so a lot of times what we think of, and, and it's absolutely true, you are saved by faith alone and Christ alone, by grace alone. I say that all the time. 
your relationship with God. You've been restored through what Jesus does for you. And so we take that part and we kind of go, well, yes, that's true. And me and God are good. And so it's just me and God. And we kind of leave out all the other things scripture tells us about walking together and helping one another. And so I really want us to think about that picture today. Uh, uh, you know, this, this idea of it's just me and God and we're just going to walk this out together and it's just all about my personal relationship and it doesn't really have to do with anybody else. The Bible really knows nothing of that. It, it's not there. That's not the way the Bible talks about how we're supposed to follow Christ. It's just not the picture that's painted for us. And so that's what I want us to look at. You know, last week we started... Uh, this series we're just doing last week and then this week and next week. And what we've been talking about is, is our missional community groups. And I mentioned that last week. If you weren't here or you haven't heard us saying that, uh, that's what we often call small groups or community groups, maybe different churches you've come up in or you've been involved in. They've called it different things. We call them missional community groups because we see them as a family of faith on mission for God's glory, right? With, with one another in our lives, but also in the places where God's put us, our neighbors, our friends, those people around us, and we want to seek to do that. And so last week, what we started talking about in missional community groups is kind of three facets of it that I want us to be holding in balance. As you get involved, and I'm going to encourage you today, and I'm going to encourage you next week and probably the week after that to be involved in a missional community group. And part of today, I hope you'll see why we think that's so important. But as we get involved in those, there's three parts that we want to hold in, in, in a proper balance. And one is the up relationship, our relationship with God, that we're growing closer, we're growing in Christ-likeness, we're growing in our relationship with God. So that vertical relationship. And then we say the in relationship, our relationship with one another, that we're to be growing together, encouraging one another, helping one another, uh, loving one another. And then uh, the out part. So there's up with God, in with one another, and out to the watching world, those that don't know Jesus. And so we want to hold those always in balance. But what I said last week, and I'm a little uncomfortable when I talk about all three of them and holding them in balance and talking about it, and then I've divided them out. Last week we talked about the up, and we talked about how we would grow in that relationship through the Word, led by God's Spirit. Uh, and then this week we're going to talk about the in, and then next week we'll talk about the out. Well, they're all so intertwined. They go together so closely that it's really not that you separate them out. And so I want to be careful as I say that. Yes, we're focusing on different parts. We'll see that this morning as we talk about the end, but they all go together so closely. And so this morning I want us to think about this part of our in, our relationship to one another as a body of believers and what that looks like. Uh, I remind you last week, I did say the up, our relationship, just foundationally our relationship with God is going to be governed by the way God has revealed himself in his word through his spirit. So we talked about last week. And so it would make sense that when we talk about the end relationship and how those things go together, we're going to look at his word and what it tells us. And so we're going to do that today in Ephesians 4. And there's three questions I want to ask as we look at Ephesians 4. And there's simply this. First of all, why do we need each other? Right? Why is this so uh, important, so foundational? Uh, secondly, how does that play out in the body? Right? Paul gives us a pretty clear description of what it looks like in a healthy church in Ephesians 4 here. And so how does that play out? What does that look like? And then lastly, what does he show us, tell us that are the results when we do it? When we do it the way that God's ordained it. He tells us there's some things that happen as a result. And so those are the three questions. We're going to look at that in Ephesians 4. If you're following along in a Bible that looks like this, that are in the seats, uh, it's on page 634 and 635. And so that's what I'm reading from as we look at those. But let's jump right in and start with why do we need each other? Why is this so important? Why do we 
uh, keep coming back to this idea of these missional community groups and, and being a community and doing this together. And so let's start, uh, just start with me in verse 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, and just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And so I want to stop right there for just a second. And just before we get to the why it's so important, I want us just to consider very foundationally the unity, kind of the base level foundation of who we are in Christ together. And I want you to think about that for just a second. I want you to think as you look around the room and the people that are here and your 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 family of faith, those that have put their faith in Jesus, that are seeking to follow him, that have professed faith in Christ. And just say this real simply, you have a deeper connection with the people here in this room that are in that than you do with anyone else in the world. In a very real way. It's at the deepest level of your very being is what this talks about in the beginning, about how there's one body and one spirit and we are called the one hope that belongs to your call, that each one of us if you look around the room, if you've put your uh, faith in Christ, uh, I don't know how to say it other than this, it's a miracle. Okay? You were spiritually dead, and then God moved in your life, and he opened your eyes to see Jesus and your need for a Savior, and he brought you from death to life, and then he put his spirit in you to guide you and lead you and regenerate you. You are a miracle. And the very spirit that worked in you to show you that, to point you to Jesus, is in every other person in this room that's put their faith in Christ. And so you have a, a base level connection with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ that is deeper than any other connection you have with any other people on the planet. It's that straightforward in Scripture. It's that deep of a connection. And so as we gather here in the church and we sing praises and we pray and we read God's word and we get overwhelmed with what God's doing and it stirs in your heart and you see who Jesus is and we sing the songs, all I have is Christ, hallelujah, all I have is Christ and we can sing that and you know that. The reason you know that is the spirit is moving in you and it's the same spirit that's moving in me, is moving in Jim and is moving in Bill and is moving in Ralph and it's the same and we have a deep level connection of what God is doing through his spirit in us. Now that doesn't answer the question of why we need each other, but I want us to at least think about the unity, the depth of that connection that we have together when we gather in this place. Right? That God has drawn us in through his grace. And that is the reason we gather, to sing his praises. And so that doesn't ask the question why we need one another, but I do want you to think about that. I want you to think also what he says there in verses 7 and 8 about how, but grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and how he gifts us differently in different ways, but I also want you just to think very foundationally in the gift that you have uh, in Christ. That you are saved uh, by grace through a gift. Christ does what you can't do for you and he gives it to you. And so there's a wonderful thing when we gather together and we think this way. We're all saved the same way. We're all saved by what Jesus does for us 
Not, not, some people are saved over here because they're really kind and they do this, and some people over here, they're saved because they're a really good teacher or they're saved because of this. We're all saved the exact same way. We are all hopeless sinners that are saved completely and totally by grace in Jesus. And so we have a unity at the deepest level that we all come to God the exact same way, and that is through Christ. Right? Now, those are foundational, but they're so important that we remind one another of that every day. That we come back to that over and over. The connection that we have, that how deep that is, is through what God's done for us. But then I want us to think about why it's so important. Why do we need one another? And there's incredible things of what God tells us and teaches us and even in this passage. But look at what he says in verses 11 and 12. Right? He says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. And so there's this picture here, and we see this all throughout the New Testament. We see it a lot in Paul's writings of how God has gifted different people and he's called different people to different things. And he's gifted us in different ways. We talk about spiritual gifts and the way God has gifted different people in different ways. I like to think of it as, in a lot of ways, uh, it's like a puzzle. We're all part of the puzzle. We're all different pieces, right? If you do a great big puzzle, if you've ever done like a thousand piece puzzle, uh, there's different sizes and shapes and uh, different colors and everything, but then they come together and they make this beautiful picture. But as their own, it's kind of like, I don't really know what that is, and then they start to come together. And so you start to see, uh, I just like that analogy, that picture that that paints, that God has gifted us all very differently, uniquely, all different ways through his spirit. And so as he's gifted us differently, we really need all the pieces to come together to paint the picture the way he wants to show it. And he's given different gifts to different people for different reasons to build us up. You know, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12. It's, it's probably uh, one of the best pictures we get. This idea of the body of Christ. And Paul talks about how the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. And the hand can't say, I don't need the rest of the body. And, you know, he paints that picture there of all the different uh, parts of the body go together and they serve a purpose. Right? If you remember, last year we went through 1 Corinthians and we talked about that and we looked at that, the importance of the way the body functions and works together. And so what I'm getting at when I talk about why we need one another, God's gifted us in different ways and our gifts come together to build one another up. In fact, in 1 Corinthians he tells us that he gives us these gifts for the good of the rest of the body to help build them up. God's gifted each one of you in different ways and all different things. And so we need one another to come together to help us to grow into that fullness. And so this is kind of where I think of the, uh, the picture of the in relationship, our relationship with one another, how it directly helps with the up relationship of who God is and knowing him more fully. He's gifted us in different ways to help one another to grow in that relationship. Right? Look at verse 16, what he says just at the end of this little section here. Or actually, start at 15. He says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so there's this picture that working together in different gifts and God gives us all these different gifts in different ways and then they come together and then it starts to grow up into this relationship because we see God more fully together than we do individually. 
he helps us to bring us to that in different ways. You know, I was thinking, uh, just helps me to think of it. It's kind of like God says, I want you as a body of believers to, to grow some crops. And he says, now I'm going to give you over here some seeds. I'm going to give you some dirt. I'm going to give you some water. And I'm going to give you the, the uh, spigot to till up the ground. And I'm going to give you this. And I'm going to give you all these different things. And then he says, grow some crops. And you're standing there and I've just got seeds. And you go, well, I need some dirt. And I need water. And I need all these other things. And he does that. And he gives us in those different ways. And then when we start to come together and work together, the different pieces that we see and how they go together and how that grows up. You see Paul pointing us to that even in in verse 16 when he talks about how when we're working properly and these things come together, they grow up into this picture. And so as you think about that, right, the gifts that it tells us in Scripture are through God's Spirit. He gives us spiritual gifts and he gifts us in different ways and in different times. And, And the question, maybe you don't ask this question, but in my mind, I go, if God gives us each the Spirit and He's moving in us, why didn't He just give us all the gifts? He's God. He could absolutely do that. I'm going to give you every gift and all these things. And I think the answer, as I think about that, that becomes real uh, clear, is if He did that, I'd be self-sufficient. And I was not made to be self-sufficient. Right? Think about what God, how He made us, and what that looks like. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God talking about himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Perfect relationship in and of himself. God, love exists in God by himself. He didn't need anyone else to to spread that love. He already had it. And so he makes us to glorify him, to share in that, and to, to love one another. Right? Jesus asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Only thing in creation, go back to the story in Genesis and read, there's only one thing that God says is not good before the fall. Know what it is? Right? He shouldn't be alone. He makes Adam and he gets it all together and then he goes, wait, there's one thing here that's not good. I'm going to make a mate, a helpmate for Adam. That he wouldn't be alone. Right? And so when you start to think of that picture, God doesn't give us all the gifts on our own because we as selfish, sinful self-centered people would go, great, I've got all the gifts, I don't need all you. Right? That's what we would do. That's, that's what we do. Right? That's what we did with God in the garden. He says, trust me, I want you focused on me, glorifying me, trusting me. We go, no, I got this, I'm good. Right? That's what sin is. I'm good on my own, I've got it. I don't need help from any. I can be the center of my world. And so God gifts us in different ways like this. And so the, the picture of our desire for our self-sufficiency, our desire for complete autonomy, I don't need anyone else, that's born out of our rebellion against God. And so when I think about why do we need one another, well, he gifts us in different ways. It's like he's turning us inside out. Right? We've become so self-centered and so all about me, and God says, okay, now I'm gonna, you need these people over here, and you need these people over here, and you need them together. And so in his graciousness, he starts to gift us in different ways and then says, now you need to be with those people. And so when we think about why do we need each other, God's gifted us in different ways so that we come together and we grow into a fuller understanding of who he is together. We need one another. And so the second thing I want us to consider is how does that play out? What is the picture he gives us here of how we grow in that in a community of faith together? 
as a family of faith. Go back to 11 and 12 and notice what he says here. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. I want you to pay attention here very very clearly. This is so important as why we see things like missional community groups, you getting involved in different ways, as so important. What he tells us there, the biblical picture of the church, and let me remind you, I say this all the time, the church is you, right? The church is people. You don't come to the church. You are the church. We come to gather together to worship together as the church, but you're the church, not this building, right? And so when we think about the picture that's here, the biblical picture of us, the church, and how we minister and what that looks like, he says, I've given uh, these, these leaders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Do you understand what he's saying? Always have to stop and say this, make sure that we're clear on it. Who are we talking about when we talk about saints? You. If you have put your faith in Jesus, the Bible calls you a saint. Right? So be real clear on that. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Right? I'm writing this letter to the church, to the body of believers, and you're the saints. That's what he says. And so what he tells us here is I've given these, these gifts of leadership and teaching and equipping to equip the saints, you, for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. You hear that? The, the picture that's there is that we together are to build up, to do the ministry of building one another up in love, pointing one another to Jesus pointing one another to who God is and helping each other. Right? And so I want you to think real clearly when we talk about meeting in other places outside of Sunday morning and we're trying to get you to be involved, be involved in one-on-one discipling relationships, be involved in missional community groups in these different ways. If we just come to church, again, I'm even using it, this building, we come to our worship gathering on Sunday and you hear me talk about the Bible and point you to these things and then you go, okay, I'm good, I'll see you next week. You're not doing what verse 12 says. right? You come here to hear God's Word and I point you to what this says and we look at it together and then we're to go out and put that into practice with one another. That's the picture that's here. We're to be built up so that we can be equipped so that we can minister to each other. And that's how we grow in the fullness of what God is calling us to. It's us together. And so the picture that's there is building one another up. Right? There's this growth. Uh, the up relationship is really a community project. We need one another. It's not just coming and hearing from the front, but we grow together in depth of maturity and in these things, what he gets to in verse 16, with together. By working through that together. And, and there's a lot of ways. I'll go back, just let me remind you, we could say, well, why? Well, because we have different gifts. We don't all have the gifts. We don't have everything. I'm so thankful. It's one of those things with, with having Chris here the last two years. Chris is very different than I am, if you don't know that. We're just different personalities. And he's great at counseling. 
and different things that are weak spots, and he's helped me get better at those things, and there's things that I help him get better at, and together we're much stronger than if it was just me or just him. It's the same with all of us. I'm thankful for our elders. I see different things in our elders and the way that they look and the way they see things that I wouldn't see on my own. It's the same thing with this entire body. You start to get around people and they point to things that you never thought of. Oh, yes. God is revealing themselves through His Spirit in their lives and showing and teaching them things and together we begin to build one another up. And that's the picture that's there. We need those other gifts. That Part of the picture too though is that we have blind spots. Think, oh, I've got it all together and I'm doing this and I'm doing this right. And somebody goes, hey, what about this? You go, oh, I didn't even see that. We need one another in that picture, right? You see it in uh, Hebrews, right? If you want to flip over just real briefly to Hebrews chapter 3. If you're in this Bible, it's page 649. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. If you don't want to flip there, you can stay here and I'll read it to you. But if you want to follow along there, Hebrews 3 and then in verse 12, right? This, this picture of needing one another and ministering to each other as the body. Hebrews 12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you, an, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That we need to remind one another, we need to spend time together daily, continuing to, to encourage one another. Now you can get into Hebrews there, and some people will look at that and say, well, it says, uh, take heart that you don't fall away from the living God. And they go, well, can you lose your salvation? That is a whole big topic for another time. Come talk to me if you have questions about that. But I would say, no, I don't believe you can. If you truly put your faith in Christ, the Spirit is indwelling you. He's not going to let you go. But the picture there that I think we are seeing when we talk about uh, as long as it's today, meeting together and coming back to that. Right? Sin and rebellion flourish in isolation. And so he says you meet together all the time. You encourage one another. You speak truth to one another. You hold each other accountable. You spend time together. Right? We see that all throughout Scripture. Uh, Proverbs 18, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Right? Sin flourishes in secrecy and in darkness. Right? You can deceive yourself very easily. You start to talk to yourself. Uh, I think it's Larry says this a lot, McKenna. I don't know if he's in there, but he'll, he'll talk often about how you talk to yourself more than anyone else does. Which is true when you think about it. You're constantly talking to yourself. And you can get caught up into the wrong things and start sliding into different things or not seeing it completely. And we need one another. The Bible's clear on that over and over. And so just as we think about how that works out, what that looks like, right? we, we gather and you're equipped by pastors and elders and teachers and helping you to, to grow in your relationships so that you can go out and minister to one another. And spend time together and encourage one another because we need it. It's the way God's designed it. And so then I want us to think about just as we get to the end here, what happens when we do that? Because he tells us a couple things right here of what happens when we begin to see that. 
And we begin to really live that out together with one another. Go back to verse, we'll start in 12 again. So to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And then verse 13. Until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he says, well, what happens when we really take this seriously and begin to walk this out together and encourage one another and keep pointing each other back to who God is and what he's done and encouraging one another, we grow to be more like Jesus. We grow in this fullness. We begin to grow into a more mature faith. Right? So it's talking about the in and the up go so closely together. We need one another to help to grow into that relationship. But then I want you to see what he says in verse 14. And I tell you, if you haven't heard anything else, listen to this very carefully. Because this is why I think when we really start to think of a biblical picture of missional community groups and being connected outside of this and throughout the week and together, this is such an attractive picture of what it means. And I want you to hear what he tells you. Look at verse 14, what he says. So we grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and then verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And I want you to understand what he's saying there. Really think about that. As we grow up together, as we meet daily and exhort one another, as it tells us in Hebrews, meet together today as long as it's called today, exhort one another that we begin to grow up into a fullness of who God is and we see more clearly the way He's revealed Himself to us. We see more clearly His grace. We see more clearly how He loves us and what He's pointing us to. And then He says, and what happens is you quit getting tossed all over. You don't get thrown from one side to the next because of bad doctrine and deceitful schemes and all these things that come into your mind. And I want you just to think about what that looks like. If you're here and you're struggling today with guilt, shame, man, I have blown it. I have done so many dumb things and I can't believe this and God could never forgive me and He could never forgive me for this and I'm not sure about that. When you get together with people that know Jesus, they say, that is a lie. God loves you completely and fully and totally and it's all because of what Jesus does and it's not dependent on your works. And we encourage one another over and over with that. And guess what happens? You quit getting tossed all over and you start to go, yes. I am God's and He's got me and it's through Christ and nothing else and I can rest in that. Because you get in your own mind and you go, oh, you can never be forgiven for that. And then you get around your family of faith that knows Jesus and they say, forget that. God loves you. Same thing, whatever it is in your life. You're struggling with your marriage you're struggling with whatever it may be with your work or, or the way you spend your money or you keep doing, making the same mistakes and you get caught up in that. And then you get around a body of believers that truly believes you, that truly loves you, that truly knows that you are accepted by God because of what Jesus does for you and they encourage you and they help you and you start to grow and you start to see that more fully. 
We need that. That's the way we were designed. You're not supposed to go off and try to take it all on your own. You were never intended to take these things on all alone. That's not the way you're made. And so when I say to you over and over, we want you to be in a missional community group. It's not some checklist that we have like, hey, if we can get 75% in a group, then we'll be successful. I actually believe this is God's word. And that he says it works better if we do this together. I really believe that. And so when I say to you, please come get involved in this, what I see is that God says it works better if we do it this way. That's the reason we ask. That's the reason we say it. Oh, it's not to nag you. It's not to go, oh, they want us to do one more thing. No, it's the way God says it works best. That we need one another. We need to be reminded. We need to be encouraged. We need to grow up in this so we're not tossed all over. Right? And, and when you think about it, what's underneath all of that, really, is your joy. The fullness of your joy. The more that you see God, the more clearly that you know you are His, the fuller the joy is in your life. Right? Missional community groups. We want you to be involved and we want you to be spending time with one another because I want you to know the joy of the Lord. I want you to be overcome with how much He loves you. And we want to encourage one another to do that over and over and over again. And so as we think about these groups, as we talk about that over and over, simply say, we need one another. God tells us that we need one another. And he's equipped us in that way for that to grow up into the fullness of what he wants to do in our lives. And so I'm just going to sit, I'm going to end here, but I'm going to say this. Get involved. If you can't get involved with the ones that we have and as we're doing more, start one in your neighborhood. That's why we're here is to help you. To help equip and come alongside and point you to it. Let's do that together. It's the way God has called you to be. And so we want to see us growing in that. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll sing a few more songs and come to the table together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ways that you love us the ways that you teach us, the ways that you show us, the way that you're, you're pulling us back to you, that you're seeking for us to, to love one another and, and through those relationships to see you more fully. We thank you that we are completely and totally forgiven in Christ and what he's done for us. I pray that we would be quick to re- remind one another to meet together, to spend time together, to love each other, to grow up into the fullness of, of what you have called us to be. I thank you for each one here and the ways that so many do that and are, and are encouraging uh, me daily, encouraging each other. I thank you for that and pray that we continue to grow in it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to the time of worship through our giving.